0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Friendship. I'm Mark Muszynski. And
1: I'm Brian Wall.
0: And we are Best Friends. And this is a show about friends. It's a true friendship podcast, so think like a true crime podcast. But instead of the stories of murders, we're looking for the stories of friendships. So the most interesting ones we can find from the past and the present in the hopes that we might learn how to become better friends today. And not only is this a show by friends, about friends, it's also a show for friends. Talking about you guys. Just by being here, you're our friends. And it's not just for friends, but we could always use more friends. So if you have a second, please rate this podcast on your podcast app of choice, or share it with a friend of yours. You know, maybe take a look at the previous episodes and think, hey, uh, our relationship reminds me of Mark Twain and Nikola Tesla, uh, because... You uh, pioneered electricity, and I tried to steal it for world domination, or whatever <laughs> you know. There's there's tons of uh, almost a hundred friendships at this point, and I'm it's been crazy to me just how how much I've learned about my friends by looking at all of these other ones. How how you looking at your friends
1: a little differently?
0: Well, I've been thinking a lot about the common ground stuff that we talked about last week, yeah, and just how that. Just the nature of that changes. And I also really enjoy the friendships that, where you may come from different disciplines or whatever, but you you might think in a similar way, like Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart.
1: Mm. And
0: seeing how the same thing, but from different points of view, can shed
1: light on a lot of other stuff. I'm, I'm going to jump ahead and go into the friendship moment of the wink, since we're already kind of talking about it. Yeah, please. I thought one of the things I thought was so fun. You and I were both at Huey Stonefish's wedding, and yes. we were sitting at the table with Jorge, uh, mm-hmm. our our buddy from Second City Hollywood, Huey's bud too. And you know, we we're not very close with Jorge, but it was so fun to kind of like plug in with Jorge and just. Have a ball, doing bits, goofing around the table with someone who's gone through like the second city training program. And you know oh, yeah. how their brain works. Kinda you know what I mean? Yeah. He's one of those people
0: that's always a delight to run into and and then I leave and I'm like, Why don't I see Jorge more? And then I should. I should make that effort because he's awesome. And I think he has or he he has had in the past a one man show that I really
1: want to see um, because he's just so funny and so talented. Yeah, I, I well one of the things that stuck out to me right was because we had a couple of new friends at the table and they didn't entirely know like you know everyone's story because we all just kind of met. Yeah, and I thought it. Yeah, was we so were funny. that table. <laughs> the,
0: we were the table with like the highest table number where you know it was a sort of like assorted friends. Which I, I always love. I don't know. I mean, you know, there's like jokes about it, but I like kind of getting thrown together with a few new people just to see what's up.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's generally where we make the best friends at is when we're like, oh, well, we're all the rejects, <laughs> you know?
0: But <laughs> <laughs> well, We can't be that rejected. We were invited to the wedding. We were there. The real but rejects, the, but I mean, as yeah, we our waitress
1: told us was that we barely made the cut. <laughs> yeah. She was
0: she was also doing a lot of bits, which I I also appreciated.
1: Yeah, it was just very I'm funny. sorry though. You were talking about
0: Jorge and the and the new friends.
1: Well yeah, and so like what I thought was very funny is, is like the new friends were very misled that by how hilarious Jorge is and and then you and then uh and then me three three comics and then later, mm-hmm. uh one of one of our new friends tried to he would keep trying to make jokes. Did you did this happen with you? Uh I overheard them happening to others.
0: But I think it's because you you were identified as an a like working professional comedian to yes. them. Yeah. And so they they really zoned in
1: that? on that. <laughs> Is that Alyssa that <laughs> I don't said know. that? Because I I certainly would never identify <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know exactly. I mean, I don't know how it was presented to them, but I remember them being like, "So you're a comedian?"
1: Yeah, and that,
0: that <laughs> and they were like... so, they were so genuinely curious. But that curiosity at some point turned into like wanting to show you that they were also funny.
1: Yes, and eventually, like he he went over to uh to me and and tried to play some joke about how alyssa is pregnant and uh and she's been pre- she 's three weeks pregnant and then he tried to make this joke and like can you- ima- you know that didn't go over well for her <laughs> yeah. she was she was not pleased with this joke, and this dude just bombed so hard in in front of us that it was like oh man. And I was like, I could tell that he was trying to be friendly and he was trying to be silly and like I, I got what he was doing. But you should never, if you're trying to ingratiate yourself to people, make a joke about how a woman may or may not be pregnant. That that yeah. woman will not take the joke well. So Ooh. so friends, Ooh. socially, be careful with them jokes. Be careful. <laughs> I feel like to tell with you, them we, jokes I is just around. good advice
0: for everywhere, for the workplace, for yeah. your your dates, for social interactions. <laughs> you know? yeah, just think about who who is the butt of the joke, oh man, because it matters, which yeah. actually might be a great transition into this week's friendship.
1: yeah, Mark, this week's friendship, I, I already told him about it, guys. I'm sorry, but I told, I shared this with Mark this week's friendship. Is the friendship between uh, the, the the fellas behind Jackass, uh, and yes. we're going to specifically focus on Johnny Knoxville, Steve O, Bam Margera, Jeff Tremaine, and then uh, a little bit of Chris Pontius too, because he's he's a big part of that that crew. This is great because you told me
0: you were going to do this friendship, but I so I that was spoiled. But I also have almost no information about these guys outside of the pretty limited amount of jackass
1: that i've seen well i've got some info buddy i've spent a week on jackass and i also went and saw their new film (laughs) jackass forever in the theaters last night and i saw it in the d-box
0: dominating the box office oh
1: the d-box with the 4d did you get thwapped i got thwapped in the tokus it was it was so funny I got hit in my ass by jackass. it was so fun <laughs> I, I did it also I, do
0: like vibrating and tilting and other stuff like yes. did it do all, pull out all the the stops
1: yeah when the fellows are like spinning around in a circle the the chair kind of tilts in the direction of the spin it's it's so great. I went with eliza and and we just had a ball we we were celebrating early our one year anniversary of being married. And because uh, our our one year anniversary is this upcoming Sunday, but we mm-hmm. haven't uh we're we're gonna both be working and we were like, Oh let's you know, we're both off, you know, yesterday, so we, we made a day of it. And that's great. Uh, I made a nice dinner and we we had some champagne and went and saw Jackass. <laughs> We thought that would be a lot of fun for us and it was great. Yeah. We we had no, a ball. Awesome. Yeah, it was it was really fun and and boy did they deliver. And you know, now there's a a female added to the crew, so that makes it extra fun, and especially because that female is a friend, Rachel Wolfson, and she's amazing. Yeah. She's she's an amazing stand-up. She's an amazing uh person. She she you know, at the Jackass premiere, Uh, some of the guys from WWE were there. And Rachel's boyfriend is is a pal of mine, Matt Edgar, who is an incredibly huge wrestling fan. He used to be one of the co-hosts of the Store Horseman podcast, which was the Comedy Store wrestling podcast. And I asked Rachel, I said, did you introduce Matt to the wrestlers there? And she said, oh, you bet I did. I made mean, sure that he uh, met all. That's great. Yeah, like what a great girlfriend, what a pal, you know. <laughs> so that's awesome. I'm 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 gonna start the jackass story with Johnny Knoxville, because I feel like that's that's Mr. Jackass, and that's the one yeah. that we know the most. And is uh, he the,
0: okay? But I have an important question. Yeah, before I guess we start with him. Sure. Is he the is was he the leader of it? Like, did he, sorry, were they all equal creators of it, and he just happened to be the prettiest one? Or was he also, you know what I mean, like a boy band where, like, the lead singer kind of gets all the attention? Or was it, like, he did start it and he did have a
1: more of an influence on it? You know, there's, there's a multitude of factors that led to that happening. Um, and I'm going to get into that. How okay, about that? Okay. I'll make sure, I'll make sure uh, I touch I've on sure I've
0: logged that, that question on the question board.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, Johnny Knoxville w- was uh, born in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, and he was born with the name Philip John Clapp, with two Ps. Clapp okay. with two Ps. Philip, also C- two Ps, C-L-A-P-P I guess. or K-L-A-P-P? C-L-A-P-P.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, Philip John Clapp in Knoxville, Tennessee. And Johnny Knoxville, uh, as we know him now, he grew up with his father as a tire-slash-car salesman, and his mother was a Sunday school teacher, and he had two older sisters. He was the youngest. And when he was in middle school, high school, he got a copy of Jack Kerouac's On the Road, hmm. and his he got it from his cousin kind of a singer-songwriter named Roger Allen Wade. And Mm -hmm. Knoxville credits that with kind of giving him the acting bug. Interesting. And so after he graduated school, he moved to California to become an actor. And he graduated in 1989. So, So, 89, he's in California. And he did mostly commercials, you know, getting extra roles, things like that. And... As, you know, he was kind of like, man, this, you know, things aren't quite happening for me right away. What should I do? He decided to start making opportunities for himself by writing and pitching article ideas to various magazines. because in the 90s, magazines were popping, you know? Yeah. Uh, there were all sorts of magazines and even alternative magazines and stuff for all sorts of things. And he had this idea of testing self-defense equipment on himself. And, That's great. And that is you know what eventually made it into the Jackass pilot of him testing out, you know, the taser, the stun gun, the mace, all those different things. Mhm. Um uh, and uh so he pitched it to Big Brother Magazine, which is a skateboarding magazine, but it also kind of address the subculture of like skateboarders and things that they're into, which was, you know, generally like punk music uh, and, you know, silly, silly goofy shit Yeah, <laughs> like this, you know, was, was Johnny yeah. a skateboarder at this time as well? No, no, he wasn't. Oh, he was just kind of like, he was just kind of like skateboarding adjacent, you know, his yeah. main skateboarding association was through big brother And the Big Brother, the editor of Big Brother magazine, is Jeff Tremaine, who is the director of Everything Jackass. So Jeff Tremaine was born in Rockville, Maryland. He's uh, five years older than Johnny Knoxville. He was born in 1966. And I don't know, it doesn't say in any of his bios, and I could have dug deeper, I guess, to figure out, I think he moved his family moved him to New York because he then linked up with Spike Jones in high school
0: and Spike Jones, you know, as
1: the Spike Jones, the film director, uh, you know, him for being John Malkovich and all these amazing, amazing music videos, especially for Bjork, um, Mm -hmm. and Weezer and just so many, his, his Spike Jones music video career is just unbelievable. And you can go down a hole of that. But Jeff Tremaine, Spike Jones became buddies in high school. They were, uh, you know, they were close. But then Jeff uh, and Spike moved to California. Spike was doing, like, photography for BMX and uh, extreme sports and skateboarding. So Jeff kind of fell into that, too. Mm -hmm. And they were all just around all these skateboarders and BMX bikers in in LA and they were they were just capturing the scene, you know? And as they were capturing the scene, you realize that a lot of these guys are really silly. They're incredibly funny guys. And they have odd odd senses of humor and an intense amount of physical ability, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and what, what became popular for this Big Brother magazine, Jeff, you know, he worked his way into uh, getting into Big Brother. Uh, he started with the BMX magazine, Go, and uh, I think he also rode BMX as well. He was like oh. a BMX biker. I'm okay. not sure. I think he turned pro for a little bit, but... Um, you can you can learn more about that in the ESPN Thirty for Thirty documentary, The Birth of Big Air, which was also produced by Jeff Tremaine, Spike Jones, and Johnny Knoxville, their production oh, cool. company, which is called Dick House Productions. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, Jeff Tremaine uh, really into BMX, but after after working on Go, he moves over, he moves over to Big Brother, and Big Brother has, you know, this really silly thing to it. It was a cool magazine. My little brother was into Big Brother magazine, and he subscribed to it. And so we got Big Brother magazine. uh, And that, it was running from, like, 1992 to 2004. And uh, Chris Pontius was one of the writers. Rick Kosick was a photographer. uh, uh, Dimitri... uh, uh, was a photographer them too? Uh, I'm trying to think who else. And then yeah, on the staff writers was Chris Pontius, Jeff Tremaine, all these guys that are jackass guys, you know? Yeah. And they're they're covering the industry, uh, but also kind of adding adding their humor, adding adding all that stuff to it. And so Jeff Tremaine sees this Johnny Knoxville st- stunt with with the uh, self-defense stuff and he also is seeing the the pranks and goofy stuff that the the skateboarding guys like pontius are doing over at big brother just and around the office and then there's this other faction of folks and it's bam margera and his buddies and they had a group called camp kill yourself (laughs) cky wow and they were based out of, I think, Pennsylvania? Westchester, Pennsylvania. So they were East Coast, you know? Yeah. Um, wow. But they were making these skateboarding videos and these prank videos, mostly, like, doing things uh, around around uh, Westchester. Uh, and that had Br- Bam Margera, Brandon DiCamillo, Dickamil- uh, Ryan Dunn. Brandon Novak, Chris Rab, uh, also known as Rab himself, all these folks that became major jackass personalities, and they were all out of Westchester, Pennsylvania, with Van Margera, and so Jeff Tremaine saw these guys, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, we have these guys in Pennsylvania. If I can get them to come to L.A. and link up with us, we could have like a TV show, and put something together," and he contacted Bam, uh, and they're they're all out of Westchester. Quick bio for Bam: born in Westchester, uh, a skateboarder. Uh, you know he toured, so they they overlapped with the Big Brother people. Yeah, and uh, but he was already making his own videos, like out, out in Westchester, without the help of anybody else. So he's like quite that a self starter.
0: Videos like cuz it's such a fixture on mm-hmm. on like YouTube and and now I'm sure like TikTok and other social platforms i like that skateboarding videos predate all of that
1: to even well, yeah, before be- there
0: was an easy way to share them
1: well skateboarding videos incorporate two things right you have the the spectacle of athleticism and an awesome stunt being executed but then also you have the byproduct which is a bunch of falling down which can be hilarious Yeah and, uh, and so skateboarders decided to use their goals And then the byproduct to create one whole product And that is uh, a hilarious skateboarding video um, Yeah,
0: I mean, it's brilliant Because you laugh at the falls yeah. But then you're invested in the journey So if, when they actually land the trick You're like, hell yeah
1: Yes, yes 100%. And it and it became just so huge. It it, it was just so big. And uh, also I I should note Big Brother Magazine, the publisher, Larry Flint.
0: Whoa, really? Who made Hustler. Yeah.
1: Interesting. He caught on to this this trend and he was like, "Wow, well, I think this will go somewhere." And Larry Flint put his money behind it. So we should, you know, Larry Flint, we should credit a little bit for Jackass as well. <laughs> but yeah, so so Jeff convinced Bam to kind of combine forces with him, Chris Pontius, and the guys, a big brother, and and now Johnny Knoxville, and they started pitching, you know, their their humor and these humorous videos around to see you know who would be interested in a show, and believe it or not, Saturday Night Live was actually interested. Really. And seriously considered having a regular Jackass segment every week you know kind of like we got with Lonely Island it would have been a completely different thing Mark but yeah they they really were thinking about taking Jackass on as a uh, as a regularly occurring segment on Saturday Night Live Uh, it did not go through i i didn't get the details as to why i'm sure that it's somewhere but i just didn't have that much time to go through everything to figure out exactly why their deal fell through i mean i'm but sure it, it just doesn't, didn't go
0: it doesn't help that there's like 12 people who all need to get paid whereas lonely island is like three not that they were yeah opposing each other but like in that same vein you know you could you could easily give three people an opportunity. It's a lot harder to give
1: ten plus. I guess, but also like imagine NBC money versus MTV money. I'm sure there's a big difference. <laughs> you know? So I, know, I, I don't man. know. Those man.
0: cable channels, they get they get the uh fees from the cable company and they get the ads.
1: Oh, so maybe. Yeah. Although back know, at man. that
0: time I guess network money was different. I mean that when would this have been like?
1: This was nineteen ninety
0: nine, two thousand. Okay, so we're talking like must see TV era, or the sort of tail end of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so yeah, network money was probably bigger. You're right.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. It was popping.
0: Um, but so so SNL passes.
1: So SNL passed, uh, or they passed. We're not. I, I can't confirm if any. You know who passed on mm-hmm. who. Uh, but. It didn't go. But they, they found a partner with MTV. And so then they had to put together, you know, what what is this show going to be? How is this going to go? And as Jeff Tremaine was kind of traveling and doing his, his thing, he ran into... He was in Florida at this flea market. And he saw this street performer, this clown. And it was Steve-O. Wow. Steve-O was born in Wimbledon, London, England in 1974. Wow. Yes. Yes, he was. Steve-O is British.
0: I did not know that.
1: And his mother is Canadian. His father is an American of British descent. And his maternal... Step grandfather, was a voiceover announcer. Hmm. But after being born in uh Britain, his father was president. Or he got promoted to president of the South American division of Pepsi Cola, and so Steve O, at six months old, moved to Brazil. Oh wow! So born in Britain, moved to Brazil. And then, uh, I guess his first words were Portuguese, which would make Mm -hmm. sense. But then at at the age of six, oh wait, no, so at the age of four, no, excuse me, wow, at the age of two, he moved to Venezuela, and he learned Spanish in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. Then at age four, he moved from Venezuela to Connecticut. And at the age of six, Steve-O and his family moved to Miami, Florida. At the age of nine, back to England. At the age of 12, Toronto. And at the age of 13, back to England again. Stayed in England through all four years of high school until he graduated. But then he went to the University of Miami for college... Not to be confused with Miami University. Very different. Yeah. Uh, But he dropped out after one year at the University of Miami. And then he went to the University of New Mexico, but then dropped out there. But he managed to attend and graduate Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Clown College in 1997. Arguably the hardest of all those three institutions to get into. Isn't yeah, like but he found impossible? his groove. Yes, it's a very hard... I, I don't know if it exists still now, but uh, but it was a very hard... Ringling Brothers Clown College is not an easy school to get into. But wow. Steve-O got in and graduated. So, like, it's clear that although he bounced around all these different places and, uh, you know, he did get some legs under him when he was in high school, had four years of stability there... Uh, but school wasn't for him he had other disciplines other things that he wanted to do and being a clown was where it was at but he was not selected to join the circus Hmm. so he moved to Fort Lauderdale and worked as a clown in the circus there at the Fort Lauderdale swap shop and that is where Jeff Tremaine discovered him wow and he said, you need to come to L.A. with me. We're going to do a show called Jackass. And it's it's going to be amazing. That's wild. Yeah. And you, you, it's just like, oh, my God, I can't. Because, you know, Jackass, after Jackass, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. They have spinoffs. And they have Steve-O... And Chris Pontius do that animal show, Wild Boys, mm-hmm. which lasted for a, a few seasons. Yeah. And these guys didn't know each other until they 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 met doing Wild Boys. Or, well, doing Jackass. Doing Jackass, like they, yeah. Yeah. And, and they had four seasons of Wild Boys doing 32 episodes. And these were friends that were made just doing Jackass together. Wow. And it was... And I I think that's part of what makes Jackass so fun as you can see that it's all these people that genuinely like each other and genuinely do find each other funny and so that when you do see them pressed to their limits, you can see that it's still within their friendship and within Mm -hmm. their humor. Yeah. And there are some times when the line is crossed, but I don't know, they almost always seem to be able to find some sort of common ground where they're able to reunite and and uh and get back together. Uh, now, Jackass the show had I think 25 episodes. They had 3 seasons. Wow. So it wasn't it wasn't a whole lot, but then uh they had they had Jackass the movie in 2002. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh and the main, the main series was uh 2000 2002. Okay. Uh yeah, the movie was out 2, then the sequel Jackass number 2 was 2006. Hmm. And then they released uh 2.5 which became uh a new tradition <laughs> was they would just you take the unused footage from the first film, cut it in and make a sequel, you know. Yeah. I mean they
0: uh, must film so much of these stunts. Yeah. And so many that don't make the cut.
1: Yeah. So they had Jackass 2.5 and that was more like 2007. Then they had uh, they did a special Matt Hoffman's tribute to Evil Evil in 2008. They did Jackass 3D uh, and then also the subsequent Jackass 3.5. Yeah. And then from the the old man characters that that Johnny Knoxville and Spike Jones uh, had done together, uh, they became they came up with a semi-scripted film called Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa, where I remember they remember
0: that I saw that in theaters.
1: Yeah, they they string together, you know, stunts through a, a plot, and mm-hmm. they they fit a plot to this, and it you know, it kind of shows part of Jackass's influence. Like we know it comes from the skateboarding. We know it comes from this subculture of, you know, making something out of the byproduct of the falling down. But there's also this thing that Jackass really is kind of a tribute to like Buster Keaton films and those early physical comedies of Chaplin and Keaton where you know they were doing real physical stunts to make yeah. the comedy for these films, and like part of the appeal of those films was you knew that these men were doing death-defying stunts. They were they were actually performing a death-defying stunt live on camera, and it was captured for this one take. And there is a chance that things could have gone wrong, and they could have died. And that was part of the thrill, part of the attraction and it's it's morbid to think about it but that is part of what attracts people to the movie theater they're like wow this person could have died you know <laughs> yeah and, totally and that is very much part of the tradition of jackass they are putting their lives on the line for entertainment and coming up with comedic scenarios uh, around that you know to to make us laugh and justify these stunts and bad grandpa to me, is is such a crazy triumph of what they were trying to do and putting it into, uh, you know, a semi-scripted, semi-improvised film that that actually, you know, was a pretty decent success. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't so successful that they launched a bunch of sequels,
0: you know. No, but it did but, really but well it, at the box office, considering yeah, its budget.
1: yeah i don't know it's it, it's pretty brilliant and then then uh, uh in 2021 what so they decided to reunite after you know the last jackass film was 2011 they decided to reunite in 2020 to make jackass forever but they started shooting and it when you see jackass forever you'll see Johnny Knoxville's hair color changes in the film. It starts out with him having brown hair and then he is gray by the end of the film, fully gray. Wow. And that is because the film had to pause for COVID. And uh, in that year and a half, Johnny went gray, you know? Wow. Or well, he was it really, dying would... it and then he stopped. I don't know. Sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But but in general, it really lands the foreverness of it. I mean, you know, yeah. at this point, Johnny Knoxville would have been fifty. something he yeah. would have been fifty and fifty-one. I guess by the time it comes out.
1: Yeah, he's yeah he's he's still fifty right now. I think he turns fifty-one later this year. But yeah, he's uh, so so that happens. And also, at the start of the making of Jackass Forever. Bam Margera is still a part of the crew, but Bam Margera uh, has not been—he's—he's he's been struggling with alcohol for a while, and especially since the death of his very good friend Ryan Dunn, who's—who's mm-hmm. who's a part of the crew, you know. Uh, but also originally part of Bam Margera's crew, the CKY crew. He's—he's he's been in rehab. Five times, I think. Oh man, it's a lot. Yeah, but uh, he just he he was so intoxicated on the set of Jackass Forever, that Paramount decided that he was a liability, and they just couldn't have him in the film, and they couldn't ensure him in the film. There were just a lot of things. It, it, they they just couldn't. They couldn't make it happen. Yeah. And um, right now there is a restraining order from Jeff Tremaine uh, and Johnny Knoxville against Bam Margera because uh, things just aren't good. Yeah. They got it extended for three years. So it'll go till 2024. On August 9th of 2021, Margera filed a lawsuit against... Tremaine, Knoxville and Spike Jones as well as Paramount MTV, Dick House and Gorilla Flicks which is owned by Jeff Tremaine alleging that he was wrongfully fired Hmm. one scene that Bam is in uh, that he filmed for the movie is still in the movie but I I don't remember seeing him in the film he is credited but uh, whatever he was a part of was very brief yeah and to me, that means that they were just trying to still give him some soft income so that he could still get some money off the movie, even though yeah. he couldn't appear in it. Totally. And insurance insurance is tough. De- getting insurance for your movie is tough. And, oh, yeah. so, and they're like, vicious. I, they don't
0: care. They're actuaries yeah. just looking at it like if this is a liability. You know, I mean, we talked about it in the episode about Robert Downey Jr. and Anthony Michael Hall. Um, yes. That Robert Downey Jr., Could not. No one would insure any movie that he was the lead in, because they were scared he would wind up back in rehab, and they'd lose their investment. And so Mel Gibson put up the bond. I want to say for one of uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s movies
1: personally. And so, like this friendship uh, fracture between Bam and Jeff and Spike and and johnny i i think you know there there's hope for it to be repaired but uh you you know you got to keep in mind what this is here and and it's uh, tough with money
0: it, especially if after 10 years i'm sure they could all use some fresh cash you know yeah uh, and that that but, part sucks and it sucks when that comes between your friendship and then also maybe more importantly substance abuse
1: But don't forget, Bam Margera had five seasons of Viva La Bam with 40 episodes. So, like, this dude has a a library of of content that he created. And I, I hope things work out for Bam. I hope they're able to become friends again and reunite. Because Jackass Forever is hilarious and so fun. And they really take advantage of the new camera technology you can see every stunt in slow motion you can see every ripple of flesh when it gets impacted it's so Ooh. fun it's you great. know it's great it's great and they do a lot of things that that I think are are you know tributes to great cinema and they 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 honor uh classic cinema and they do a lot of things that You know, I I think Buster Keaton would look at Jackass and he would be revolted in one way, but then also, you know, so be down for some of these stunts. And I I think one of the things Jackass does that's so brilliant is these guys are always the Jackass. It's not Mm -hmm. the public. The prank isn't on us. It's not on the unassuming bystander. Almost, you know, every joke of jackass, basically, you know, is that these guys are the jackasses. And they are so enthusiastic in becoming a jackass and being a jackass that it makes the rest of us also kind of want to be a jackass a little bit. I mean, like, you know, like Rachel said that when she joined the crew, she didn't want to turn anything down and she didn't want to cry. Those were her two things. Yeah. Those were her two goals. And I, you know, I feel like almost anybody that joins that crew, that's what you'd want to do is you don't want to say no. Like, who would want to say no? How fun is this? But then you also see some of the fellas say no, and then it makes sense. <laughs> but it, I don't know. It, it makes us all want to try and be daring. I feel like if it weren't for Jackass. We wouldn't see, like, Keith and Try Guys do some of their things. Jackass is kind of, you know, a little yeah. bit of a parent for that.
0: Yeah, they're sort of a very original, very physical-related Try show.
1: Yeah. And and, and then I think Wild Boys, a... the spinoff, was with uh, Nature, too. Yeah. It was, like, Nature Tries and Animal Stunt Tries.
0: <laughs> I feel like they were such a cultural touchstone... For, I guess, really for people our age, especially. But it was something that, like, every, at least the boys that, you know, in high school or whatever, all had some understanding of. And it sort of, I don't know. It, it was a thing that was, and it was very much of our generation. You know, it wasn't anything that, like, our parents would want to watch. And they actively were confused at why we wanted to watch it. There was just something that you know, felt like it was. You know, my dad watched it. Did he? Okay. Okay.
1: I, I. I I think Jackass appeals to people who enjoy that that kind of slapstick comedy and they enjoy watching people fall down and get hurt. It's I I think that's what and not everybody enjoys that, you know. Some people yeah. get really disgusted by that. But, it's not my uh,
0: favorite thing, but I feel like they do it in a way that makes it palatable, like them specifically. Yeah. Um like I prefer like the Tom Green show to Jackass in the realm of MTV shows of that era. Uh, yeah, but I, I can't deny that jackass is all the things you're saying. You know, it has this, this old school slapstick feel to it, but with modern, with everything else modern.
1: Yeah. It's, it's such a fascinating thing and to see it endure culturally 20 years later, you know, is, is, really something and to see its impact on you know it, it, you when we want when you watch jackass forever one of the cameos they have in there is eric andre and eric andre is somebody you know who's quite popular right now you know mm-hmm. and it, you see how eric andre is influenced by these guys and you see rachel and how she was influenced by these guys and just all these all these different young people that have been influenced by uh, their you know Balls out, give no fucks attitude. Literally balls out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, like, I think it's very fascinating. Like, Jackass showed the, the male penis a lot. I mean, male penis. Female <laughs> penis. There's only one <laughs> penis. They showed penis a lot, whereas, like, a lot of things didn't show the male member, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in film. And... Uh, you know, I know Judd Apatow uh, followed suit and had a lot of dick in his movies, but Jackass has always had uh, the male anatomy in their films, and always in a non-sexual manner. And it's really interesting. I, you know, like it's it's never presented as a symbol of virility, and they're never like, "Wow, look, I'm swinging my big dick." It's always like. I'm just putting my dick in peril.
0: Yeah, it's like, you know, generally it's like the they're... target of something.
1: Yeah, and it, I don't know. There's just all these things that they did about. It's it's a weird masculinity. It's a weird friend thing because it's not because a lot of prank shows are like, oh, let's you know, let's get one over on the ladies, you know, and mm-hmm. this one isn't that way, and it's no. very interesting. How to see how they walk that line, and you got to know that this conversation did happen because they had to make all these episodes, so they had to turn down some ideas. And if you think they didn't have an idea about you know boobs or whatever, somebody had to have that idea somewhere,
0: right? Yeah, but I like that they kept it, they kept them the jackass, and they also spend a lot of time like the if you I bet if you added up the amount of time. That is like the stunt actually happening compared to the amount of time that's them and their friends like setting it up and worrying about each other and like being like, how could you put me into this situation? Like that kind of stuff. Most of the show is them being friends reacting to the situations they're putting each other in. Yes. And so what you're really watching is just this very like multifaceted friend group that just likes to do insane stunts.
1: It's it's so compelling and I think Jagass Forever is the best one they've done yet. I loved it. I had a ball and that's why that's a big part of why I wanted to cover this friendship. Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoy this and like, you know, you gotta know these these movies have a lot of penis. They have a lot of violence and they have a lot of vomiting and that's unappealing for a lot of people. So uh if that's unappealing for you, don't don't watch this. Absolutely don't. But if you think you can take it, it's really fun. They do a lot of really great things. Awesome. Well I'm so glad that you brought this because I did
0: not know that much about them, and now I can't wait to see Jackass Forever when I get a chance.
1: Well, I, I'm I'm so glad I'm so glad you've opened I'm able to help open your mind and heart to jackass, Mark. (laughs) Thank you. Well, and if you guys uh, might be feeling alone, or you're wondering, who's who's out there? Who cares about friendship? Who cares just as much as I do? Well, I can tell you a bunch of people in Cincinnati, Ohio do. A bunch of people outside of Cleveland do, too. Ohio is very much on the board this week. Hello to our friends in New York City, our friends in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Chicago, Los Angeles, our friends out in Utrecht, of course. And uh who could forget our friends in Seattle, Washington, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and Toronto, and don't forget the folks in Austin, Texas. Thank you guys for caring about friendship, listening to the these episodes. Please You know, share this to your friends, you know, give us five stars uh, or reach out to us on social media at my fab friendship on Twitter and my favorite friendship on all other platforms. Or you could reach out to Mark and I at Mark Muszynski or at Brian Wool. They're spelled like they sound.
0: (laughs) Yeah, open our hearts and minds to new friendships. And until then, have a great week. Bye.
1: Bye.